Every Friday, we bring you an ode to the odd. That's Meg. And that's Cal. And this is episode 12. Yes. We have a small edit to it, but we'll we'll talk about that right before we jump in. Because mm-hmm. we wanted to talk about... I've been watching The Mandalorian. I think everybody but you has been watching The Mandalorian. You've at least seen it. You, or, I mean, seen... Like the memes. The, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. gifs and everything. And the, well, and the video. Well, yeah, you have to get the videos because you have to see, like, how well, like, he's he's cute everywhere. Yes. Like, little baby Yoda steps. I once successfully argued with Seth that Yoda could be Jesus. <laughs> I wish. And if you know how much of a stickler he is for Star Wars, then you know that that was not an easy argument because... <laughs> He is. It's a stickler. It's a classic. I want to get you one of those, like, candles with, like, the, what is it, like, the, the prayer candles oh, yeah. or whatever, and I'm just going to put, like, instead of Jesus, it's going to be Baby Yoda. <laughs> well, I don't think he can be Jesus until he's older, right? Nah, it's fine. No, he's cuter that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't been watching. You haven't. Mind. I need to. Well, you've probably been watching Disney movies. We Yeah, we watched... The fifth episode came out, and we watched it. Mm. So we're up to date. Oh, that's not many. I can binge that quick. No, I think they're... The, I know for a fact they're, re- they're releasing them, like, one at a time, but I don't know, because mm. we were late to join. I don't know how many came, like, before we joined with you. Gotcha. But I was perusing Netflix. There wasn't a whole lot that was really interesting now that I'm done with um, American Horror Story, but I did start watching... The uh, most recent season of The Crown, mm. it won. I mean, it's still winning all sorts of things, and I did not realize that the cast rotated. Oh, really? So it was like consider the initial set of cast for like the young queen and her husband and stuff, and they played for two years, and now this is a different time in the queen's life. Oh. So it's she's a little bit older, so they now have different actors playing no, them. Matt Smith. No Matt Smith. That sucks. And the really awkward thing for me is that the act, and poor him, because he did such a disturbingly phenomenal role when he was an Outlander, the husband, in the newest season of The Crown was an Outlander, mm-hmm. and he tortured one of the main characters. Oh. And... Um, that's not quite a spoiler. I won't go into it because mm-hmm. um, it would probably need a trigger warning. But suffice it to say that oh, so it it's was like you look at him and that's all yes, you think about. exactly. And he's like all supporting of the wife, and you know they're doing all this political stuff. And Winston Churchill dies, and I'm just like, he's a torturer. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's still really good. It's still worth watching. Actually, I was looking for movies that we might want to include in a book club. Oh. Because we've tied some of them to certain things. Yeah, that's true. So I don't think we've we've talked about it yet, but we've been meaning to. We decided that we're going to start doing a book club every other month starting next year. Yep. And we have a couple of big books, a couple of books picked out. So that way, if anybody wants to read along with us, mm-hmm. um, we'll have our p- pick for January's read. 
announced by the end of December. Yeah. And then it won't be until the end of January that we do it. So it would give everybody time to read it. Mm -hmm. And um, so for, without spoiling it, one example, we're using a book, research, and a television show all in one episode. So I was looking for movies to see if we could find a movie to do a movie one. Um, But I haven't... um, Oh, the one I did pick up was uh, The Highwaymen. I don't know. Not that we picked up, picked out. Um, Seth and I watched it. It's a Bonnie and Clyde. Um, It was a Netflix movie, I think. Oh, I think I remember you telling me Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, oh my gosh, it was so well done. It was Mm. really, like, I got done watching it and I immediately went and, like, started looking for research on Bonnie and Clyde to try and work them into an episode somewhere. Mm. So yeah, definitely Highwaymen. Cool. But yeah, other than that, I mean, it's almost Christmas. We're almost yeah. It's this month is flying. I mean, when people are listening to this, well, the first time it'll be December thirteenth. Yeah, Christmas is twelve oh, days away. So Too I am close. up to my ears and tea and orders and shopping and mm-hmm. holy cow. So this podcast is actually a little bit of a nice distraction from shipping deadlines and. Secret Santa gifts and... Yeah, definitely. We haven't even decorated yet. I, we just took down the Halloween decorations yesterday. <laughs> Oops. That's okay. So... Halloween's better anyways. It is. Well, you got a black Christmas tree. I did. With little ghosts on it. Yep, it has sparkly little ghosts. And I got a spider web Christmas tree skirt. Well, not really Christmas tree. And we have a bacon ornament. And the topper is Sam from Trick or Treat. <laughs> and I love him. Our last tree that we had was too tall to put the star on. So for a while we were putting the plush of the Serenity ship on top, mm. which we thought was cute. And then since then, of course, I've seen all these really amazing trees. They have like Darth Vader or like the sorting hat on them. And they're yeah. like themed. And I, oh, I want to do it so bad too much work though it really is it would have to be i feel like something that i would probably leave up year round yeah definitely which isn't gonna happen when it's any other holiday other than halloween agreed but okay so last week we had a really interesting episode and we talked about the real doctors who inspired the hit show mash Mm -hmm. and obviously the book and the movie and everything we talked about the invention of the heimlich maneuver and we talked about the story of the cn doe i thought that was just really interesting interesting, it's such a neat way of history going on but we still don't know who she is it's just like a perfect classic you know i was gonna say guess who but yeah kind of i mean we don't really know who she is yeah so We learned a ton last week, and even if the history of medicine isn't an interest of yours, you should admit that the Korean War saw some pretty amazing medical advancements, thanks in large part to doctors like Richard Hooker, who was the author of the MASH book. And hell, even in a way, Hawkeye. I mean, any way that we can pay attention to ongoing conflict, to, you know, historical fiction, it just ties us Mm -hmm. to it. We learn more about it. And I think both of us enjoyed our foray outside of our comfort zone. Yeah. It was nice, but now we're going to take a step back for a little bit, Mm -hmm. be our little creepy introverted selves, and we're going to go back to some of our favorite types of stories, which is in our comfort zone. And I'm excited to get to this week's topics. Me too. So this will be the first of two episodes that airs Friday, December 13th. 
this episode, no. 12 is a traditional episode with three topics. If you want to know what the second episode is, I guess you'll have to come back and tune Mm -hmm. in. Or if you're a subscriber, you might remember our hint from last week. Let's dive right in, or don't, considering our first topic is the history of wishing wells. After that, we're going to move on to creepy nursery rhyme origins and end with a destination straight out of some people's, like my own, nightmares. Yeah. It's very spooky. I don't, I'm not afraid of it, but it's weird. I would never go there. Weird vibes. Yep. Each coin in the wishing well is someone's wish, someone's dream. But you know what? This one, this one right here, this was my dream, my wish, and it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back. I'm taking them all back. Goonies. How did we get here? And by here, I don't mean in a well underground shouting up to Troy. By here, I mean throwing coins and possibly wishes into a cute little wishing well straight out of a fairy tale, which is actually not too far off from where our story begins. See, wishing wells aren't just one history, but two. There's the history of the water that's contained in within, and then there's the history of wishing on it, um, or wishing on the fountain itself. So approximately 71% of the Earth's surface is covered by water. We are absolutely surrounded by it. Mm -hmm. And not only that, we're made up of it. And up to 60% of an adult's body is made out of water. Proper hydration is necessary for our overall health and well-being. But one specific example that seems super appropriate given the snow currently falling outside is that hydration is critical for your immune system. Proper hydration is needed for blood circulation to allow immune system cells to reach damaged tissue and mass. Mm -hmm. There are so many other ways that water is beneficial to the body, but suffice it to say, drink more. I really, yeah. like, I really get on people about that. Yeah, I know. I'm the main one. Yeah. Because well, I don't like water. And our grandmother, yes. she considers the ice cubes in a glass of wine. Yep. Water. Or bourbon. <clears throat> yep. That too, yeah. And so knowing that water is vital for life, it's not a surprise that humans have flocked to areas with clean water and that they would sometimes build structures around or in or on the water as a way to protect it but then sometimes it's a simple fountain or a well that's installed at a spring all the way to like goddamn castles and moats and a castle built on a river or in a harbor you can't convince me that they weren't also trying to control access to the water that's so much more like dominating than a well that just keeps like bird poop from falling inside right And at the time, it wasn't unheard of for these early cultures to have gods, deities, or spirits, something supernatural or otherworldly that was associated with the water or was a protector of the water. Countless cultures throughout the ages have had some connection or devotion to water. Not just any water, but select water sources, like underground wells and natural springs. Believing these places to be a gift bestowed by the gods, many of the people from these cultures would leave tokens in appreciation for their offering. One of the oldest textual references to this practice dates back to ancient Rome, and a reference written by Pliny? Pliny? Yeah, there's... there's Pliny. It's said both ways, yeah. Who described the water as clear as glass, which allowed you to see to the bottom and amongst the river rocks were coins. 
I've been to California and I've been to the national parks and there's natural water geysers, I think is what they're called. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen them in real life or in a video, I can understand why people thought it was something otherworldly. It doesn't, it doesn't feel the way that you feel when you walk around like a little river or a mm -hmm. creek. It feels more powerful. Hmm. Now, Romans might have built the aqueducts in the Colosseum. But their civilization was mostly BCE, before the Common Era, which tends to mean, at least in our show, that the people of the time were highly influenced by religion, they were superstitious, and it's not fair to say uneducated. It was over approximately 2,500 years ago, yeah. but there was a lack of today's knowledge. Let's just say that. However, it wasn't just the Romans. It was the Germanic tribes and the Celts both had strong cultural connections to water and water gods, spirits, or deities. I think probably every culture does. Yeah, definitely. If you lived in the times of the Germanic tribe, your culture believed that not only were there water spirits, but that they lived in and created the water. Not only that, but if you said a wish aloud around the waters, a water deity might take pity on you and grant your wish. If you wanted to sweeten the deal, you could leave a small offering, a trinket or token of some kind. And the Celts, they have a particularly strong connection in their culture to one natural spring in particular. The spring housed inside a temple dedicated to Coventina, the goddess of childbirth and healing. As with the other cultures, travelers and worshippers would leave small items as a gift to the goddess. How interesting that that's the one temple that like it, that showed up the most in research was the goddess to childbirth. I wouldn't have expected agriculture, maybe, you know, water for growing yeah. food or something. Yeah. But, you know, thank God for the archaeologists who help bring these stories and legends to life. Because at first, knowing what people would have thrown into a small body of water, it really doesn't seem exciting or important you know, we get it. Yeah. But by knowing what was thrown into a well in 400 BCE, we know what was important to those people and that culture at that specific point in time, which is what creates a micro history, which right. is what we do on this podcast. So we know that beads, buttons, glass, pins, trinkets, and lots of coins, lots and lots of coins are what have mostly been given at these... <clears throat> Water sources. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so, about 16,000 in total, Dang. give or take, um, included coins from up to the 5th century. And now they recovered this all in a treasure trove in a ruin of what used to be the temple, hmm. which I think is really neat. And it was through this excavation that they were able to determine that it's the the given value of a coin, so what it's worth to the economy, isn't equal to a wish. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily back then that like the more you gave, like a quarter was worth more. It was more the symbolism of handing over a coin. Right. So most of the coins were actually the lowest coins possible because it was just the idea not the, the value yeah. yeah which i thought was interesting yeah um so most coins like i said were discovered in this temple and of low denomination and it means that just every coin counted as a wish which i think is kind of cool it wasn't specific to a, a class or how yeah. much you you had made had yeah, yeah exactly there's also one really good story that comes to us from the Norse that would be, we, we have to tell it. Yeah. According to the legend, a water deity by the name of Mimir? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Mimir. 
lived in the well of wisdom, drinking daily from the well, made Mimir the smartest being around, something that Odin coveted. In order to drink from the well, Mimir demanded a significant payment ahead of time, Odin's right eye. After agreeing to pay the toll, that right eye was tossed into the well and served as a grim reminder of the cost of seeking out wisdom and doing business with the deity. I think he'd say that it was all worth it. And I think Anthony Hopkins looks dashing in an eye patch. Yeah. So what began thousands of years ago as a religious or spiritual ritual has really turned into a modern cultural and social superstition. Mm -hmm. As time went on, gifts given involved less trinkets and more coins. Today, one of the most popular fountains is in Rome, and it's called the Trevi Fountain. Yes. Which has more than 16,000 coins Mm -hmm. tossed in every single day. I tossed coins in there. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask. Yeah, I mean, the really closest pretty. I've ever gotten is the fountain in the mall. So <laughs> it doesn't really count. But unbelievably, the amount that those coins come up to totals over one and a half million dollars every year. And the only thing that I found like more shocking than that was the fact that they use it to fund public programs for the needy. Which is amazing. Which might drop if it wasn't attached to a stand and would sound really bad. Right. That's just awesome. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what I hope they do once they've, uh, once legalization hits New York and they have that tax coming in. Oh, yeah. I would love great. to see, you yeah. know, I would love to see some of the money go towards that instead of the highway, you know. Agree. Yeah. But so then and now, wishing wells are a hope. They're a wish given voice by the toss of a coin. We teach our kids to make a wish and toss a penny into a fountain. Then they tell stories about making a wish with the penny and dandelions and blowing out birthday candles. And the stories get passed down and the wishing becomes instinctual if you can remain a kid at heart enough. Growing up certainly puts a damper on the innocence and it gives you a new perspective. Sometimes this means we grow up and discover that some of our favorite things and people have a dark side to them, like the Wizard of Oz, Elvis and John Lennon, and Columbus and his, air quotes, discovery of America. Yeah. We're only 12 episodes in, including this one, and we've discussed the dark history of a lot of things already. Mm -hmm. Kellogg and his cornflake makeup anatomy and dissection today we're gonna add to that list because we have to Mm -hmm. and discuss the origin of some nursery rhymes and poems that you're likely to remember from your childhood keep in mind not many if not all these rhymes interpretations are open to exactly that interpretation yeah they are all of these tunes have been passed down through the generations many cultures have the same song but with slightly different lyrics that reflect where they are in location and time. And what they valued. It's just like that other book that we referenced that's been rewritten throughout time. Yeah. Our favorite book. That being said, we're going to present our favorite selections and the tales surrounding them, whether they're true or not. So to start, we have Ring Around the Rosie, A Pocket Full of Posies, A Chew, A Chew, We All Fall Down. Or, as I knew it, ashes to ashes, we all fall down. Yeah, I had never seen the Achoo one either. I wonder if that's where, like, well, I mean, I know that's what the noise that you make, but I've never seen it written down before. And just for reference, guys, it's spelled multiple different ways, but the, like, most common one was A-T-I-S-C-H-O-O, and it looks ridiculous. Like when tissue. you it, Like when you say spatula too many times and you become convinced yeah. it's no longer a word. 
Maybe that's where tissue comes from. I don't know. Mm. So, Ring Around the Rosie is a classic childhood rhyme that also has a small accompanying dance. It is defined. It has been defined as both a singing game and a play party song. Small humans join hands, singing while they turn in a circle and fall down. Although this isn't how we played it as kids, history tells us that in many instances, the last child to fall to the ground lost and had to do a specific task, like hug another child. Into the center of the ring, that child went until the next time they fell down. Repeat. Mm-hmm. And then they were just replaced. Yeah. I, d- I didn't play it like that, but I, that makes more sense with the yeah. lyrics. So this chi- this cute childhood tune is a story about the plague, warding off disease and smells, and then falling down and dying, right? Sneezing is mentioned in many versions of the song, and it was widely believed for a really long time that sneezing meant you were going to get sick. And in these times, getting sick brought a chance of death, regardless of what you had, um, even for the simplest ailments. While other versions that use the ashes to ashes verse reference cremation, which would involve burning the plague victims' bodies, which was something that they did. So there are two types of plague theories that pertain to this song. There's pneumonic and bubonic. And the difference between the two is where the infection is located. So pneumonic plague is in the lungs, which is actually what happens to Denozo in an episode of NCIS. Oh, really? Yeah. And then it was how they knew that it wasn't his body later on because he didn't have the lung tissue scarring that the plague caused. Yeah, and then, so bubonic is in the lymph nodes, and because the pneumonic plague is less common and not mentioned as much during the research, I'm going to focus mainly on the buboes, because that's where all of this folklore resides. That's a fun word. Buboes, they're so gross, but it's an adorable (laughs) word. So, the bubonic plague, the Black Death. Bubos. Arguably the most well-known form or occurrence of plagues today. The bubonic plague is known for killing as much as one-third of Europe's population in the mid-1300s. With this particular type of plague, the site of infection is the lymph nodes, which are scattered all across your body. These nodes would swell, spread, and eventually turn black, hence the plague's notorious name, Black Death. In the nursery rhyme, the rosy ring refers to the red around the black boobo. Mm. So, did the song have true beginnings, or did we give the song meaning according to what we wanted to hear? Do we have a habit as humans of being fascinated with the... Oh, wait. Yeah, with the macabre. However, (laughs) I can read. Unfortunately, ring around the rosy is not. The first known reference... Yeah, boo. The first known reference... of this song is in writing from the 1800s. It wasn't until 1951 that we see the first mention of the plague in reference to Ring Around the Rosie. This means that the rhyme came some 500 years after the Black Death. And then there's the numerous alternate versions of the song. There is a plethora of versions that didn't contain sneezing or falling down. In the versions that do contain falling down, the kids get up afterwards. It would hardly be a game if they stayed down. Nonetheless, this concept took root and has created its own category of folklore, known as meta-folklore. Folklore about folklore. That's a thing. Yeah. While the bubonic plague connection may not be true, well, sometimes we think fiction is better than reality. And I would argue that this incorrect story keeps the rhyme alive and it keeps people interested in the plague. Not all rhymes are as fortunate enough to contain (laughs) plague references. Many are about wealthy white guys, their estates, taxes, lots of the poor suffering. 
basically it's everything you'd expect to have immortalized throughout the ages in song. Yeah, because they're mostly coming from the mouths of people who were the masses that didn't have the ability yeah. to pay for a way to keep it in history. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why I find it so interesting. So the next one that we have, half a pound of tuppany rice, half a pound of treacle, that's the way the money goes, pop goes the weasel. So setting, we're in London in the 1680s on the outskirts of the city in an area known as the textile industry. Here, the destitute slaved away in the sweatshops to take raw material and spin it into yarn that would later be turned into fabric. This process required a mechanical weasel, a device used to measure yarn, which I never would have expected that. (laughs) When it reached the desired length, it popped. A monotonous process that workers felt unable to escape because even if they dozed off or tried to distract themselves, the weasel was always there to pop back up again. Then we have Baba Black Sheep. Have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. One for the master, one for the dame, and none for the little boy who (laughs) cries down the lane. Boo, you little boy. If the last line seems a bit harsh, don't worry. That was only included in the rhyme until 1765, and then it was changed to and one for the little boy who lives. Yeah, they thought it was better for young listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Unsurprisingly, this rhyme refers to sheep, who are the heart of centuries of cultures and economies. Way, way back in 1272, the king passed a law requiring taxation of wool in order to fund his military. Surprised? Not Uh, us. uh. So, according to history in this song, one-third of the cost of each sack of wool goes to the king, the master, one-third to the church, the dame, and none to the shepherd boy, which is why he cries <laughs> in the original song. With or without that variation, Boo, the, song re- whore. <laughs> the song reflects hardships faced by the working classes. Yeah. And so the next, we have Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. But nowhere in nursery rhyme history is Humpty mentioned as being an egg or even a person. In reality, Humpty was a massive cannon used during the English Civil War. It was positioned at the top of the church tower, which gave soldiers the advantage of being able to see really far. And then combined with the power of the cannon, they dominated their enemies and held off attacks for 11 weeks. But then after that, their luck completely turned around when the tower was hit by enemy fire, at which point it collapsed and this massive, really, really heavy cannon went down straight into swampy marshland. Oh, And uh, after losing their main weapon, they were soon overtaken by enemy forces because they couldn't get the cannon out of the ground. How do you go from a cannon to an egg? Well, that's the thing. I wonder what made somebody think like... How and they put them on I a wall. Like, yeah. how can I take this song about a cannon that? Why right. would that yeah. Humpty Humpty is a really yeah. weird name in general. But if you don't <laughs> say Humpty Dumpty, it seems uh, kind of unnatural. Yeah. <laughs> Next, Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown, and Jill came tumbling after. As a child, this nursery rhyme evoked images of a pair of kids running up a hill to a well maybe in holding hands or singing annoyingly like kids are out to do, and then attempting to carry a heavy bucket. A heavy bucket. <laughs> oh my gosh. A heavy bucket of water back down. 
I always assumed the weight was considerable and tripped up both the kids and the bucket. It's possible that's the truth, but it's just as possible that this tragic story of young lovers was the origin of the rhyme. There are many versions of Jack and Jill, but one town in specific claims to be the town of origin. According to this town, and many other claims, Jack and Jill were doing a whole lot more than fetching water. Brown chicken, brown cow. <laughs> I don't know how to put the buttons in, <laughs> right. so that's all you get. <laughs> the young couple would sneak away from town, doinkin', to get away from prying eyes and judgment from townspeople, doinkin'. Unsurprisingly, Jill mm-hmm. became pregnant. Then Jack was killed by a brick falling on his head, and then also Jill dies in childbirth. Yeah. So there's that. And I didn't really understand because all of the sources said that Jack was killed by a brick that came from the hill. So where were their bricks built into the hill? I imagined a yeah. grass hill. Mm-hmm. So where were their bricks that came from a height? There must have been like a building or something. Yeah, I so now I just have more questions than answers. Like, what do you take away from that? What is the lesson here? I Well, see, I told you that the, some of the other like um, origin stories that I read were just, I mean, there's, if you want weird origin stories for it, you can find it. I mean, there mm-hmm. are so many that are unverified. And one of the ones that I read said that Jack and Jill were actually references to like measuring cups it Mm. was weird but as promised there's more dark history that you can add to your knowledge bank and while we're taking a trip down memory lane let's take something else from childhood and reveal something dark about it in this case it's creepy there's chucky there's annabelle from the conjuring movies yeah and robert i never watched the chucky movies i don't really okay i have to say we watched the the new one yes with, the new uh, one with aubrey plaza my yeah. main celebrity crush it was actually really good yeah they did a great job with it went it. it went to dvd really fast yes didn't it, it did like and, really quick. um what's his name oh my gosh from star wars is the voice of chucky mark hamill i had no mark idea hamill's chuck that's yeah. weird that's like alan tudyk being uh a chicken right it was good though oh, i liked it but anyways Sidetracked. Sidetracked. As always. Is that back to me? Oh, yeah. So my contribution. So Annabelle, we were just talking about the third Conjuring that's slated to come out next year. Yes. And then Robert the Doll. And if you want to be terrified of of basements and attics and dolls, mm-hmm. um, Lore has an episode on Amazon Prime and a, an episode on the podcast that talks about Robert the Doll. And I'm not afraid of dolls, but I legit wouldn't go in my basement for two weeks oh, after I listened to it. It was really, really well done. But like I said, this isn't just, we're not talking about them. That was just like a little bit of a geeky moment for yeah. us. So this isn't the story of one doll or three dolls. It's the story of many dolls. Welcome to the island of the dolls. <laughs> Buckle in, Cal. Just south of Mexico City, on a lake that I don't know how to pronounce, lived Don Julian Santana. He came to the area to live in solitude in the 1950s, leaving behind his wife and child. According to the legend, Santana encountered a child dead in the water with her doll floating next to her. It became his mission to turn the area into a shrine to remember the young girl by decorating it in dolls. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dolls. Some floated down the canal and were found, and then others were picked out of the garbage, but they were all used in the creation of this memorial. And during his lifetime, Santana actually allowed people entrance to the visit to see the shrine for a small cost. 
And it quickly became a tourist destination, which, of course, it yeah. It just creeps how, ugh. Like I said, not even afraid of dolls, but, I mean, it, I guess Creepy. it is weird. So, oh, yeah, yeah, it was a really big tourist destination. And then Santana died in 2001, but the island still retains its status, and it's even taken on a new life with lore and gossip after his passing. Visitors today say that the island feels peaceful, but also unnerving, and I can imagine why yeah. with all those fucking doll eyes staring at you. Like, yeah. no matter where you are or what direction, yep. they're always they staring are. you. It's like the going down the aisle at, like, Target or Walmart, like, usually the pink aisle, because... They think girls only want pink, and you walk down, and, like, every fucking yeah. animated doll and toy just starts tracking your movements. It's so creepy. So, anyway. So, today, what's been added on to the legend of the Island of the Dolls is that the dead girl's spirit consumes the dolls at night, and she makes them come to life. Ugh. The dolls remain hung on the shrine to this day, making it a bizarrely long-lasting almost accidental tourist destination and what makes it even creepier the little girl never existed i'm surprised there's not a horror movie she was a figment of santana's imagination and or a product of an undiagnosed mental illness so who exactly then possesses the dolls at night not sticking around to find out i would nope i would scooby do the the Get the fuck out of there. Uh, Take the nope train to fuck this shit, Bill. Yeah, that's exactly where the (laughs) island of the dolls is located. (laughs) So, our question this week, at the end of the podcast, what weird destination we would want to go to or what we talked about a little bit more vague what time period what point in history would we want to travel to like if you could be a dark tourist in history i had two i have two also you want to go first sure well one of them's not so dark is that the library of alexandria Mm. i mean i just we know how much was lost yeah but i think it's hard to comprehend how much that really was and i'd love just a sneak peek of what it looked like before that's a good one it was lost to fire what was one of yours um roanoke to see what happened to them so while they're still there yeah well and then they yeah i think it could be interesting i think there's a lot of there's a lot of solid conspiracy theories yeah about roanoke yeah and then so my second one has a little bit of a stipulation if we're travelers if i have inoculations do they go with me because let's be real if you travel back in time you're catching something. Yeah, no. Do I bring my inoculations with me? No, you're good to go. I'm, I'm good to nothing go. I don't have to. You. Nothing? Okay. I would definitely go back to Victorian London, probably, and go to one of the operating theaters oh, that's to a good see one. one of the infamous surgeries of the time, like that doctor who was so fast that he, um, what did he do? He cut through the leg he was amputating and he cut through the leg, his finger, the coattail of someone else that was there, and every single one of them died. 
the, oh the patient died from infection. The doctor died from infection in his finger. And the guy whose coattails he cut off with a scalpel died of, of a heart attack. That's, so that's not really that's go. not really yeah, a great no, explanation wow, of why I okay. want to go ah, of why I want to go there. Oh my right, gosh, that's crazy. No, it's just it's <laughs> a from a medical. Um, I was gonna say historian, like a hobby historian perspective. It's that time frame that they made so many advancements, and so that's where my interest really lies. Yeah. And that's a huge, um, huge blip on the the radar for their timeline. Mm-hmm. My other one, assuming I also have immunity to anything, I would like to go back in time and see H.H. Holmes' hotel. That's a good one. Um, we might be able to see that when um, Devil in the White City comes out. Uh, yeah, that's true. Ooh, that's a book. Oh, snap. Yeah, and it's going to be a movie. Leo DiCaprio. Bam. Yeah. There's another one. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm a little nervous. But, but yeah, so books crossed. Yeah, we wanted and we wanted to do another reminder about uh, book club, and that we'll have our selection by the end of the month. Yep, and we hope people want to read along with us. We'll be trying to pick out books that are easy to access through the library or are inexpensive ebooks. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That are inexpensive, and uh, so we only have a couple episodes left this year. We have next week which is the last week of school for the year. Oh, man. It's my birthday at the end of the week. And then after that is obviously Christmas, one, but then we don't have another episode until we're in January. Yeah, that's true. So we may or may not have an episode for Christmas. Yeah. We probably will, but it's probably going to be just a short one. We want to talk about Krampus. Belschnickel. Yeah. And there's some neat histories of mistletoe and some... Simple things we might talk about. Absolutely. And then next year, January 2020, mm-hmm. Roaring 20s, we're going to have a little bit of a theme in January. So expect a couple of episodes to really focus on the Roaring 20s. I mm-hmm. mean, we're talking prohibition and temperance and flappers and uh, the mo- spiritualism movement was all up in that. There's a lot yeah. of mob history. There's there's so many good topics that go along with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Well, thank you guys for tuning in again. Yeah, if you want more potties in your life, you can join us back here next Friday <laughs> to learn some new odd things. In the meantime, you can find us on social media. We have a Patreon group that we would love you to join for as little as a dollar per month, which is 25 cents an episode, guys. You would get access to the Potatorium, which is a little cute club for Mm -hmm. people who subscribe to the show. And what you get there is weekly episode posts that will let you know when the episode is up. Special content like extra audio clips. We often do outtakes and funny little short clips that Mm -hmm. we'll upload. And we do occasional giveaways, which will actually be happening this weekend. Yeah. For Friday the 13th, there will be a giveaway on our Instagram page and a giveaway in the Patreon. 
So if you're not a member there, there's a little bit of an extra incentive yeah. to get there while you can. And we're also on Instagram. At an O to the odd. And Twitter. At Podities underscore. And on Facebook. At Podities. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider referring the show to a friend or rating it on iTunes. If you have a story to share or you have a topic request or literally anything, you can shoot us an email at podities at an ode to the odd dot com. Mm-hmm. And the show is written, researched, produced, edited, which we don't really do, um, by myself, Magma Gibbon, and Kelly Ayers. And that's me. And until next time, seek out the strange. And learn something new. We need we need music for the in between. Yeah. Elevator music. Yeah. So this is the point where we're still testing it out. It went well last week. Yeah. I'm liking it. So at some point during the episode or before, we each wrote out a episode title yes. suggestion and the other person hasn't seen it. So we swap no. and then we read each other's and we determine which one's the funniest and whichever is the funniest gets the episode title. Yes. But by this time you'll already know because you're listening yep here we go Can't hand it here give it what do you i don't know I, I don't know you're acting all secretive that's a really long title name <laughs> meg's is boobos yeah and kel's is one for the master one for the dame and none for gretchen wieners <laughs> you even quoted mean girls and i was like yes oh damn it uh-huh. mean girls which is the christmas movie by the way Yes, it is. <clears throat> Try hard. Um, Never seen it. I know. How can you not? That's my birth month year. We're birthday twins. What even? Yeah, even my partner just walked into the room and is like, what the? F-? <laughs> uh, but he can't say anything because he just watched Mean Girls for the first full time like a year ago. So that's true. All right, we're going to think on the title. You'll know anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So Um, we'll see you in again. We'll see you in again. Yeah. We'll see you in a few minutes. Yeah. Last reminder to check and look for the episode 13 countdown. It should be in your feed if you subscribe. Yeah. We'll see you then. Bye. I'm <laughs> sorry.